Welcome to another episode of the Tune Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's number one podcast for all things Newcastle United. Just before we start, please like the videos, please subscribe, please comment, and um, that's all good stuff. We're also on all of the audio platforms um, to keep us going. We enjoy that. I'm Jack in Brisbane on a Sunday night, and I've got Bobby in Ballarat on a Sunday night also. How are you doing, Bobby? Yeah, very good, Jack. Um, nice and quiet Sunday, so um, yeah, all good here. All good in Ballarat, and it's all good in the world of Newcastle United. It's been a little bit quiet, actually. Not that much has happened since, well, Tenali was officially announced, but we knew that was going to happen for about two weeks. And then it's that weird kind of part of the season where you're just sort of waiting for news. Pre-season hasn't started yet, so it's been a bit boring, to be honest. But yesterday, um, I think it was... The Telegraph that might have broken the news that yep. uh, Newcastle were in talks with Leicester or were in advanced talks with Leicester for Harvey Barnes, the winger, um, and then a couple of the other um, journalists and publications started following on that as well. Um, what's your understanding, Bobby, of the current situation? Um, is there a bid in or what, have we agreed terms with them or something? What's your understanding of what's going on with Harvey Barnes at the moment? Um, from what I understand, a bid hasn't gone in yet. I think we're about to put a bid in this week. Um, varying reports saying $35 million, but I think it'll be a bit lower than that. And our first bid anyway, and we'll see if they accept it. I think, as you remember, Madison, they wanted £60 million pounds for. Spurs were able to get done uh, the deal at 45 or whatever that was. So um, still some time to go, but I think we have agreed terms with uh, Barnes, personal Term. So, yeah, it's all exciting. We'll see where this transpires, but he's a, a very good player. It seems to me that Leicester have to get a little bit real with their valuations. I know that's all a part of a negotiation, but they've been relegated, you know. Uh, they're not going to be able to... I think last summer we were quoted £60 million for Barnes, something like that, and obviously similar for Madison. And then, yeah, like the, these two players were always going to be sold. They're too good for the championship. Uh, we're going to have a look at some of Harvey Barnes' stats um, soon, and we're, we're going to talk him, about him a little bit more specifically. But I remember when we got relegated last time and we lost Sissoko and Wijnaldum, and, and we made, I think Sissoko was about 30 million and Wijnaldum was about 25 million. But yeah. you have to take a bit of a hit when you get relegated. And it, it's in the relegated club's interest as well to kind of get it done reasonably early so it's not dragging on for the whole summer. And everybody knows they're not going to stay. So we'll see what happens. But what's your sense of what is actually worth in the current market? And what would you be happy for us to pay for a player of his uh, profile and age and quality? I think we're in the range. I think 25 to 35, what we get as stats or what we get as the figures is a bit different to what actually transpires. So, you know, it could be 25 million with, you know, five to seven million rising. So, but then they'll quote that as 33 million or whatever it is. So I think we're in the, the vicinity of being fair. I think anything over 35 million and you'd be like, oh yeah, that's a bit bit inflated for 
for him being rele- uh, coming from a relegated club, but I think he's a quality player. And I think we're going to find that even if we do get him at the 35 million in a year's time, we'll think what a bargain that was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's interesting the the position he plays in because it's not, we're going to talk more about this, but it's not necessarily the position that you would have thought that we need to strengthen the most. But I think we might be doing some interesting things with our other wide players um, to make space on that side. Um, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's just have a little look at Harvey Barnes's career then and his background. His dad's actually was actually a professional footballer, which I didn't realize till I was doing Wikipedia. And his dad has got 185 goals for various football league clubs. Um, he played for York City and a few other clubs. So he's got the football stock. Um, and he spent his whole youth career at Leicester City. So he joined Leicester in 2007. Um and he's been playing for the first team since 2016, pretty much. Although he's had some some spells out on loan. He was out at Milton Keynes on loan. And he had a spell at Barnsley. And I remember seeing him first when he was at West Brom. So I think they were in the mm. Premier League at that time. Um, and he had a good loan spell. He scored nine goals for them in 26 games. And then he went back to Leicester. And his total record for Leicester is 35 league goals in 146 appearances. And he's also got a cap for England, which uh, I also hadn't realised. He played against Wales back in 2020. Um, but that was a game where Ainsley, Maitland, Niles also played. So it was one of those games where England were playing a load of sort of fringe players and just giving people caps. But yeah, he's um, he's 25 years old now. He's 26 in, in December. That's his career so far. Leicester have obviously been pretty good up until the season just gone. Uh, we're going to have a look at his Premier League stats here. So these are for the last four seasons when he really broke into the first team in 2019. Uh, so the 2019-20 season, he's, he played 36 games. He got six goals and eight assists. 2020-21, there was th- 25 games, nine goals and four assists. 2021-22, to 22, there was 32 games, six goals and 10 assists. And then last season's really interesting because obviously... Leicester got relegated, but he still managed to score 13 goals from 34 matches. He only got the one assist. Pretty decent numbers there, Bobby, for someone who's who's a wide forward. He's sort of a, a traditional left winger. He's not a striker by any means. But what do you think of those stats there when you see them from the last four seasons? Are they quite phenomenal stats, aren't they? Like, I mean, he's consistent even with the games played. You know, he he's rarely injured. Um, and yeah, he's output in both assists and goals. I think assists this year, Leicester weren't what they were. Um, they were struggling, so he might have had to feel that he had to do it himself uh, or missed opportunities with them being so poor. But yeah, they're phenomenal stats, and I think he's a, a very, very good player. There's a couple of seasons there where he's not far off getting double figures for both goals and assists, and that's that's kind of like the gold standard when that happens. I remember Saka did that this season um, and you don't realise how difficult it is to do that, to get 20 mm. direct goal contributions. Um, so, and last season, did you see much of Barnes last season then other than the games where they played against us? He was on the bench actually in the in the game we played just before the end of the season. But did, what did you make of him when you did see him or did you pay much attention to him? 
Not not this season gone. The one before the 2021-22, I did watch a fair bit of him and I thought he was brilliant. You know, like he, he he's he's not flashy like we've seen with some of our wingers or particularly one that um, gets the attention, but he's just fundamentally good at everything he does and, you know, gets in the right positions, takes people on and then obviously gets in positions where he can contribute. So... Yeah, the year before, I thought he was devastating, and I think I think that's when the interest in him started with us as well. Um, his name get floated, and I was all for it then, and I am still all for it now. I talked about Saka a minute ago. There, let's have a look some some player comparison with Bukayo Saka. So stats are a bit funny, you know, like you can kind of prove anything with stats, but this is really actually very impressive. So this is a direct comparison of all Premier League seasons. Saka played 135 games with 31 goals and 26 assists. Harvey Barnes has played 146 games, so 11 games more. 35 goals, four goals more than Saka, and 25 assists, one less. That's a comparison with Saka. So, and Saka is widely regarded now as one of the best wingers in the world, really. So, yeah, that's one thing. And then let's have a look at the comparison with 100 million man Jack Grealish, also. <laughs> out wide uh, very different player and different role at Man City but Grealish 150 appearances 23 goals and 26 assists and you've got Barnes 146 appearances 35 goals and 25 assists Bobby Newcastle are about to sign somebody who's better than Bakaya Saka and Jack Grealish am I right there? Well stats don't lie some people say I know you and Dimmy love your XG and and all, that, and all the data, so it all points to that. But um, I think what it does show is in the ballpark, and if we're signing someone for thirty-five million, let's put it at the top end of what we think it'll be, um, thirty-five million pounds. When you've got him in the ballpark of Jack Grealish and Saka, I think you can't sort of begrudge us for going for him. And you know we are under heavy FFP. And so we know our club is data-led and, and you know, our scouting systems are very good and we don't make too many mistakes. So um, um, I'm excited by Barnes and I think, you know, this just sort of is, tells a bit more to the story to people that have uh, knocks on him. You were talking about his, the kind of style of play that he's got earlier. He's kind of a direct um, left winger, but he's right-footed, I believe, though. So he's yeah. one of these modern wingers who plays like on the on the other side like an inverted but what what are his kind of strengths from what you've seen and are there any obvious weaknesses that you recall from his game or that you've heard about that he's gonna have to work on when it comes to us um i think he does everything very well i think that's why he's regarded highly because there's not things that he can he does consistently bad i don't know i've got to see more stats on his tracking back stuff um, and that's something we know that he'll have to get better at. But he seems to find space extremely well. And then when he gets it, he charges at the defence. He loves the one-twos, so pass it in and then and receive and then shoot or assist. Mm. So, which probably will suit us with Isaac up front as well. Um, it'll open up space for him as well. So that's the combination I'm excited about as well. So, does he do anything badly? Not that I've seen. I do still need to look in depth about his tracking back, but we wouldn't be signing him if we didn't believe that he can contribute on both ends. 
Mm. If you look at his goal compilation on YouTube, a lot of it is the one twos, like you just said. So mm. he'll play a little pass, and then he'll he'll go for the return, and then he'll stick it in with his right foot. And it's a bit like what Miggy's been doing, only on the other side. So he Miggy yeah. goes the other way, where he's got no he's got no right foot, he's got no right foot, and he puts it in with his left. Uh, with Bruno, he was doing that combination with Trippi and Bruno quite a lot. And then you might have the same thing on the other side now with uh, with Barnes, maybe with Bruno as well, or with uh, Tanali or Willick or Joe Linton. So it's pretty exciting to think that you can have a direct threat like that on both sides of the pitch. Um, well, and that's the kind of... Go on. Well, what it does, there's threats everywhere, isn't it now? So it'll open up defences. And if there's space, this is... The big thing about football is is the space and what you can create in space because everyone's tight. Everyone wants to, you know, be compact. If you can open up space, which Barnes will do, which Tonali will do, which Bruno we know does, um, Willick, Isaac. I mean, it should provide us with the chances that we need to score goals and therefore win games of football. Mm. And Miggy kind of he didn't get found out, but he, he was never going to continue that streak he was on, but. Like when when that got found out a little bit, or when we stopped being able to do that as easily, Miggy kind of went out of the games a little bit, and it meant that we need we had to find other threats from from other ways. And eventually, with days like we had share share playing through balls to Joe Linton for part of the season, and then Isaac came in and started scoring goals, and then Wilson came back as well. But like you said, it just gives that option, doesn't it? And it gives defences something to think about and something to to worry about. Um, and he's been playing in a pretty good attacking team in Leicester as well. So he's he's going to be he's going to be used to playing in a team that's on the front, which we're going to hopefully be quite a lot. Let's have a before we move on from the stats. I'm going to put one more slide up. Uh, this is a pretty exciting slide for Newcastle fans. It comes from um, Sanjay on Twitter. I stole it from Sanjay. Um, but this is a, a list of the Europe's top five leagues goal-contributing wide players. Um, and they are ranked in terms of non-penalty goals. So you've got Salah at the top on 67 non-penalty goals between 2019 and 2023. And you've got Bakaya Saka there at the bottom on 27 non-penalty goals between in those that four-year period. Harvey Barnes is about halfway up there on 34, 34 non-penalty goals. Uh, same as Neymar and Phil Foden, pretty good company to be in. Um, he's also got 23 assists. So that's a combined um, non-penalty goals and assists of 57 across the last four seasons. So the interesting last column is about is per 90. So obviously, if you're playing more, you're likely to get more. Uh, more yeah. stats there. So he's got 0.58 um, goals and assists per 90. So that's quite good. It's it's towards the lower end of this though, but it's still pretty much level with Vinicius Junior of Real Madrid. Um, he's got 56. So you, when you keep in company like that, Bobby, I'm starting to think, is he undervalued a little bit for what we're paying or why, why is there not more interest from Champions League clubs in him, you know, with these figures and these stats? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he is undervalued, particularly with supporters. I think a lot of people see him as this, you know, I've heard the term vanilla type of player, but his output is is greater than that, and these stats back it up. And I think um, 
why other clubs aren't into them, I don't know. Um, we are very smart in what we do. We're precise and we, we, we target people and we know what their qualities are. So maybe some scouts can overthink things and think, no, well, we need someone a bit more exciting, a bit more um, dynamic than Harvey Barnes, and so they stay away. But um, yeah, to be in this company shows he's he's been quality for a long time, well, twenty nineteen to twenty twenty three. It's not a short, you know. This is not data for, uh, pulled over one season. This is you know mm. established data. So, and then you could take out all the non Premier League players and see where he ends up because we know the Premier League is a much tougher league. So. Yeah, as I said, I think he's a quality player and I'm excited to get him into the club and hopefully it comes to fruition. I think with English players, there's sometimes a bit of a... um, um, When when they're linked, it's kind of like it's not as exciting because they are not sexy foreign, you know, foreign players and they haven't got... Uh, they haven't been playing in League Earn or somewhere like that, you know, like that automatically gives people a bit more excitement, I think, when it's the unknown a bit. But when you've got somebody who's got stats like these, who's got figures like these, I think the, the more that I've looked at and, and found out, and I do remember watching them play quite a few times and being really impressed with them. So the more you get that, I think the more exciting it's going to be. And people are going to soon realise, you know, like there's this thing, Eddie Howe gets a little bit of flack sometimes for only wanting British-based players as well, but you know that's just bullshit because he's signed a lot of non-British-based <laughs> players, and I think he's he's well in with what the club are doing. But there's a value, isn't there, as well, Bobby, and having somebody who knows how to score goals, knows how to get assists in this league, and he knows what the pace and what it's all about. So that's factored into the thinking here as well, undoubtedly, hasn't it? Absolutely. It it has to be. Um, we're about to embark on a Champions League campaign, three matches a week, and then you've got the FA Cup, League Cup, all this stuff happening. We need players who can come in and contribute straight away. And, you know, we don't want to, you know, have less depth and have introduced too many players that don't know the league and everything like that. So smart signing, but we're a smart club. I just trust what the club are doing now. And that's it. That's the, the ultimate um, fact, fact about the club at the moment is that you just trust them. You trust exactly what they're doing. Um, who is he going to replace in the team? Is he is he going to be an automatic starter? And who is he going to replace in the team? Because he, he's a left-sided attacker, but he's right-footed. He's never played any of his career on the right side, so he's always been on the left wing or the left sort of forward position in a 4-2-3-1. Yep. We've already got a lot of players who can play there. Uh, Maxi's the obvious one. You've got Gordon, who came in, and that was mainly seen as his best position uh, on the left wing. You've got Joe Linton, who played there for a lot of the season. Isak can do it. It's probably Anderson's best position as well. Even Willett can play out there. So we're quite stacked in that position. Oh, there's Matt Ritchie as well there. <laughs> Don't forget Matt Ritchie. <laughs> so we're quite stacked in that position already. So... What do you think the the rationale and the reasoning is behind going for somebody who plays predominantly in that position? Actually, who's never played in any other position, really? Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think we had this chat on online about, well, it is interesting what the club are doing. I think we've always seen if there was a, a bargain to be had or a player that was gettable, it didn't matter what position they played. If we thought there was value in it, 
and he was going to contribute for a long time, we'd go and get him. I personally see him as a starting left left sided um, attacker. You have to play into his strengths and where he's played his whole career, and I think he is undoubtedly better than any of the other ones we have. A lot of people are going to come at me with ASM, but <laughs> the stats are the stats, and you know, ASM hasn't been fit, so maybe this will be a breather for ASM to to do more impact. But as I said, we've got three games a week mm-hmm. now, so we need the depth. So if ASM can start, you know, some Champions League, some Premier League games, depending on the opposition, um, Eddie Howe knows what he's doing. So I actually see him starting and, you know, we can revert. We can have Willick in the left side of midfield with Joel Litton, which was really good on the left side of the attacker uh, against some opposition. If some opposition are breaking us down and, you know, suffocating us like happened last season and we struggled with that. Well, maybe Harvey Barnes is that type to get past him and and do what he does. So it gives us options. And like with Gordon, he can play anywhere. He, one of the things, mm. the left-sided attacker was his probably main position. But I said when we got him, his versatility is outstanding. And we've seen in the under-21 competition, he's played centrally. So... Mm. I think this is what we're going to have. We're going to have players that come in and we can we can be a bit fluid and it'll cause opposition headaches because they don't know what's coming at them or what we can change up. Yeah. A lot of um a lot of people have thought that we needed a right winger and we, we were linked with Musa Diaby heavily last summer as well. So there's been this school of thought that we need somebody who can take Miggy's place or who can who can fight with Miggy for that right wing position. I reckon that's going to be Gordon, though. Like judging yeah. by judging by this signing of Barnes, um, Gordon's going to be able to play anywhere across the pitch. And he played in central midfield in the last game against Chelsea. That was more of necessity, but he can do that. Like you just, like you said, he's been playing up front in a two for the England under twenty ones. They won the European Championships, and Gordon got Player of the Tournament. So that yeah. shows you his his quality that and his intelligence that he can play all across the front. I don't think it'll be too long before Gordon is starting on the right wing in a lot of games. Um, and what do you think about the idea of Maxi as well, potentially playing out on the right? Because he's done that before and he's done pretty well out there. Like the, what? There's no particular reason why he has to be pigeonholed onto the left, is there, Maxi? No, no, definitely not. I think there's there's an option for that. My, my thinking on Maxi... Uh, it's very, it's a complex issue with him because I think sooner or later we need to sell our players. Uh, we mm. need to bring in funds. So it'll depend on what the opposition, you know, offer and who they want. But, uh, you know, you'd think Maxi would be first in the queue for that. If he does stay with us, then yeah, he can play left wing, he can play right wing, depending on the opposition, depending on the night, depending on injuries, depending on a lot of things. So it just gives Eddie Howe so many options and we know Eddie Howe is tactically minded, so he would love the ability to have all these players at his disposals who can play either side or centrally or whatever. Well, as soon as you start talking about Maxi, you get people shouting all sorts of things. <laughs> he's so divisive. Yeah. And it's because he's so it's because he's so good and because he, on his day he's so good, but then he's just not consistent enough and he, he hasn't been fit for, for long enough of the season. Barnes scored more goals last season than Maxi has in his whole Premier League career for Newcastle. So if yeah. you're looking at purely the stats, it's kind of a bit of a no-brainer that Barnes is going to replace him on the left. But 
yeah, on his day, we've said about Maxi a lot that he can he can really harm teams, and he's probably going to be better when he's got better players around him as well. So, like, he would feel a bit let down, I think, if he had four, three years of Steve Bruce and then shit players around him, and all of a sudden he's got Isak and everybody flying around him and Bruno, and he's he's <laughs> sold. But I think me and Dimmy talked about this on the squad review pod. It's it was a big, big season for him last season, and he, he didn't hit the mark. I don't think he hit the mark, and it, it wasn't all his fault because he got injured and just just that bad time, just when he was picking up form twice at two points of the season. But where, where are you standing now on on Maxi, and does this this approach for Barnes change things, um, or what's your sort of take at the moment on the state of play there? Yeah, it's a complex issue, and you get fans. If you say something derogatory of ASM, then they come for you like you, you, you're harming their kid. Their kid. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I love Maxi. I think he's a good player. But if we're taught, we're pointing to the consistency of Barnes and the goals every year and the assists every year, then we can point to ASM about the injuries every year. There's mm. a there's a story there as well. So he consistently can't produce every year because he's not out in the park enough. And everyone talks about only two games from last year when they talk about how good he can yeah. be. So that was Man City at home and Wolves away. Mm. It's the same two games. And when you're talking about a 38-game season and we're pointing to two games consistently, it sort of tells me the story. If someone comes with a bid, now if it's an opposition that's not Saudi Arabia, it'll probably be around the $30 million mark. If it's Saudi Arabia, it'd be probably north of 40. But that's money that this club needs to be able to spend more on more depth. So I still think he has to be sold, mm. but it's it's a more holistic thought. It's not because I don't like him or I don't think he can add to us or he can be a good player. We know his quality. I wish he can play 38 games a year because I'd like to see that, but I just don't think he can. And I think when you bring in FFP and the stipulations that we've got, I think he needs to... I think it's a smart thing anyway. And he also needs time to get up to speed when he's back from injury. So he comes back and he's, he's it's probably like five or six games before he's really fit, before he can play 90 minutes. And it, he takes time to get up. And then we just haven't been able to, to give him that really. Like, And, and then he has picked up another injury. He, his, his fitness record before this season has not been terrible. He has played over 30 games in most league seasons. But yeah, it was... It was a shame he, he couldn't do it last season on a consistent basis. We're going to talk about you were talking about selling players there. We're going to I've got some stuff on that in a minute, but I just wanted to let you have a little word for Everton after their um, their former <laughs> player who they've brushed out of history after Anthony Gordon did win the Euros. Everton did a tweet referencing all of the other players and ex players they've got who who were involved. They didn't mention Gordon at all. This is proper Tim Pot time, isn't it at Goodison Park? <laughs> They're a petty club. They're a, they're just a pathetic <laughs> organisation from top to bottom. You know, I hope they rot, to be honest. But what they did, like, that's just... It would hurt Anthony Gordon as well because he is a, he's a fan and he is a, as an evident boy. Um, the way they've treated him has been disgusting. And that tweet, I know it's little and I know whatever, but it's just... It's not coming from a fan. It's coming from the organisation. Yeah. And I think it's just so pathetic but I'm, I'm very you know encouraged by the Newcastle fans that got around him 
mm. and put their arm around him and showed him how proud we are of what he's achieved. And he's just got a new, you know, new destiny to write now with us. And he'll hopefully forget about that shambles of a club very soon. Yeah, and the, the narrative around him's changed, hasn't it? Because when he signed, it was, oh, that's a lot of money and it's not in a position we need. And he missed a few chances and he, he didn't seem fit enough because he wasn't, because he'd come, he was just being coached by Frank Lampard. Hmm. Um, and then the narrative now, though, is that he's, he's got his goal at the end, end of the season. He started playing, having a few more cameos and playing quite well. And he's been an integral part of the, the under-21 success. And I think people are now starting to think he's going to be serious. Like Just like I said, I think he'll, it won't be long before he's starting starting games. And he's got so much quality. You can see that straight away. So it's so good to have. It's going to be so good. And this is such a cliche and such an Alan Pardew thing to say, but he is going to be like a new signing because he didn't start many yeah. games last season. Um, so once he's had he's had the Euro, so he's going to be fit. And once he's back for preseason, maybe in, maybe he'll get 10, 10 days off or so. If he even wants that, he probably wants to come straight back and get into it. But the club will look after him, and I think he'll be he'll be ready to go flying before the start of the next season, won't he? I was always excited when he will get a preseason with a real manager, particularly mm-hmm. a, a top top line manager like Eddie Howe. And we know what players do when they have a preseason under him. So. You know, he, he's hit form um, before preseason, so this preseason is going to be almighty for him. And I just hope, you know, he can stay injury free and, and give it his best shot because I think he's a quality player. I've said from the start, I've loved having him in the into our club because he's got all the tools he needs um, to be a top line player. And I don't think it's too long before he's a, a fully fledged England international week in, week out. So. Well, he's, yeah. too, he's too old for the under-21s now, so um, I think so. He's going to be either in the full squad or battling to get in there soon. Um, we were talking before about the need to sell players. I've been banging on about this for so long because we have not sold players. Over the last two accounting periods, Newcastle made $8 million across both of them in player sales, which is absolutely pitiful. Yeah. Just for a comparison, I noticed this from Fabrizio Romano the other day. <laughs> Southampton are closing in on a deal to sign Manchester City midfielder Shea Charles for nine million. I've never heard of him before. Uh, I don't know if many people had. He's a he's a Man City Academy player. Southampton are going to pay nine million for him, which is more than we've made across the last two years on player sales on any anybody. City always, as is um, they always do, is they get a buyback clause and a sell-on clause. So it puts them mm. in poor position if they do become good enough to play for them uh, and they, they can get them back. Newcastle need to start selling players, don't they? Like we, It's exciting to be spending 55 on Tonali and potentially 35 million on Harvey Barnes, but our accounts, the last accounts that we had showed that we, we can't spend too much more without getting into kind of FFP trouble and clubs like Chelsea and Liverpool have done this consistently for, for years. They've they've just churned players out of their academy who've been sold for six six figure sums who were nowhere near getting in their first team. It's a long it's gonna be a while before Newcastle can do this with Academy players, but we're gonna have to start selling players out with Bobby sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, the problem we do have now is we're coming from a long way back. This is what people don't understand when they talk about Newcastle United. They see the Saudi ownership and think, that's it, game over. They've got billions to spend and they're going to spend it. But 
We just can't because, A, the, the squad players we have that we can sell won't be attracting much interest other than ASM. There might be a couple of others, but we're not going to get much for them. Like we're seeing Javier Manquillo mm-hmm. is going to go for a free. So it's just a wage dump, really, which contributes and helps, but it doesn't help the FFP mm-hmm. in total because we're not getting any transfer fees from. And then on the other side of it, we've just started being a proper club and recruiting young kids into the mm-hmm. academy. We can't sell them as soon as we bought them. So they're going to take a year <laughs> and two years to develop. And then we're going to assess whether they're good enough to where we're at, where we are, or, well, they're not quite there, but we'll sell them for 5 million, 10 million and have a buyback or a sell on clause on that. So we're still two, three, four years away from, from that happening. So it's not a dire situation, but it's not a great situation we find ourselves in. So I think with people just got to, pump the brakes and understand where the club are at and why we're not going after your Messi's and your Neymar's mm. and your Mbappe's and all that. Not that I think most fans will understand that, but there are some that just don't know or don't understand where we're at. So yeah. it's tricky. So, I mean, who do we sell? You know, who do we sell? Yeah. Like, who can we sell for, for figures? Yeah, well, there's one candidate who we've already talked about. Um, and then you're looking at really like LaSalle's and Murphy, maybe, although both, mm. you know, both Eddie would want to keep both hang, both around. But like Chris Wood went, which was good business, but you're not going to be, you're not going to want to sell, you don't want to sell Botman or Bruno or Isak, nah. you know, or Pope or any of anybody like that. Joe Linton, Willock, we don't want to sell these players because they're too important for what we're doing. And this is where, like, I think. You know, Eddie wasn't happy with us selling Shelby. Um, and I think he's going to not be happy when we sell the sales or we sell a Murphy. But this is where the club hierarchy comes in. And Ashworth knows the FFP stipulations and everything like that. So Eddie's there to manage the team he's given. And Ashworth is there to build the squad. So we're going to see a lot of this happening. Um, but I think in both areas, we're very well equipped. You know, Ashworth's the best in the business. We're seeing with the under-21s, that's his work from the mm. English DNA that he's done. And now we're seeing, you know, with Eddie Howe, we know he's a top-class manager. So there will be some some players sold that Eddie won't be appreciative of. But as you saw with Shelby, I think we've made out, you know, it was the right thing to do. Shelby was one or two games away from triggering an extension to his contract. And he was on 75 grand a week. So it's just pure business. And I think even though Eddie didn't want to lose him, I think he kind of understood that. It made good sense. And the, the fact that the players themselves wanted to go as well, I think, contributed to that. Um, so it's all part of the process and it's all part of the the system. Maybe maybe we'll lose someone we don't want to lose at some point as well. If, if we drop out of the Champions League, for example, next season, uh, then that could happen. But if we do, at least we know we're going to be getting serious money for them. And we know that the people in charge are going to be reinvesting the money properly, unlike okay. previously. Yeah, and I like—I mean, I will be heartbroken if we ever sell Joel Linton, but I—I've—I've I've argued the fact that it will come, and especially you're yeah. right. If we don't make Champions League next year, which is going to be a hard ask, and like this is again having—you know—we've got to be realistic with our expectations. There could be a player like Joel Linton that we bought for forty that we could sell for 60, 65, yeah. 70, but it, it helps the FFP. Yep, emotionally, I'll be heartbroken and whatever, but business-wise, and that's why we've got someone like Ashworth in the position he is, so he can make these critical decisions. 
And with the FFP as well, it especially helps if the if you've had them for a number of years because then the the, the amortization is finished on them. So Joe Linton mm. signed long enough ago that his fee in the FFP has already been paid for. So 60 million for him, not that we're trying to sell him because we love him and we hope he stays mm. forever, but that would be 60 million straight into the pot, you know, in terms of FFP, uh, 50, 60 million profit. So that's yeah. that's what we're, and that's what we're going to do, but it is going to take time. And like I said, it depends the way we go as well, because Chelsea and Liverpool, like I said, have done this. Chelsea especially have made it part of their business model to get these players, sell them for young players, sell them for a lot of money, put them out on loan, um, and then and sell them. They've actually sold players too too soon. Sometimes they had Salah and De Bruyne, you know, yep. and they sold them, and they had Lukaku when he was younger as well. So, like, if we can do it in a smart way, which you just you know we're going to with Ashworth, you know, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's just going to be very interesting to see the way the club goes. Hopefully, we haven't jinxed this uh, this transfer of Harvey Barnes. It worked with the Milan with Tonali. We didn't <laughs> jinx that, um, but it did seem yesterday that this was pretty pretty set. And there's a, mm. the noise seems to be that, that it's going to happen. It's just going to be a case of the clubs working out the working out the the transfer fee. We've wanted Barnes for a very long time, so this is no surprise. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it there. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you on this Sunday night. Uh, go and get yourself some rest. Enjoy the week. <laughs> All right, uh, we will be back um, on Thursday, I think. I think Craig and Mark are going to be talking to Adam Cleary, which is really good. So tune back in for that, um, and we'll be we'll be jumping on if anything else happens in the meantime. So thanks very much for watching, listening. Remember to subscribe. Remember to give us a review on the audio. And we'll catch up with you soon. Tara, cheers, Bobby. See you guys.